That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I'm Jami Virgen with Sinclair Broadcasting for this edition of Immigration Crisis, The Fight for the Southern Border. We're joined today by the man who used to be in charge, retired agent, correct? Yes. Ari Jimenez, known as Harry around here. And Ari Jimenez was in charge of Homeland Security investigations for the area, a huge part of the area of the uh, Texas-U.S.-Mexico border. Adi, first of all, welcome. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with what happened over in Israel and the fight between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Again, there's a lot of talk about the people that are coming into the United States. The majority of them, we believe, are people who are wanting to come here to work and are looking for asylum. But there are some other people that may not be coming here to work. Recently, two Lebanese men were stopped at the border uh, and also two Iranians, two of them in Eagle Pass, the other two in Del Rio. Two of them were on this SIA list. Yes. Can you talk to us about what that means that they were on that terror watch list? Does it mean they're terrorists? Well, so let's start from the from the top, right? We, 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 we agree. We have uh, hundreds of thousands of people looking to migrate into the United States every year for a plethora of reasons. Um, as you and I have worked together for many years since I uh, got to San Antonio in 2010 and even in Laredo in 2006, we all agree that 95% of the people coming to the border trying to come into the United States are following and looking for the American dream. We agree on that. The, the challenge and the reason why I have always said that illegal immigration becomes a national security issue is because if we agree that 5% may not necessarily come with good intentions, those 5% are the ones that we don't have biometrics, we don't have a means of identification, and those are the 5% that can do us harm. Now, when you put in perspective, since 2021 to the month of August, we have 2.8 million people coming through the southern border. And these are stati- statistics from customs, U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Do the math. 5% of those 2.8 million people, that's a lot of people that may not necessarily be looking for just American dream, they may be trying to be a sleeping cell, they can be trying to prepare for a terrorist attack, or just to take advantage of our laws and our freedoms to do, to conduct criminal activity. So then we go to the SIAs. Why is an SIA? SIA is an acronym for Special Interest Aliens. This is the way that the federal government and and in the immigration uh, realm 
identify individuals from certain countries that have been identified as high risk for terrorist attacks or high risk of terrorism or their countries that have openly uh, identified that they are against the U.S. and they want the destruction of the U.S. So when you have an individual from these countries, for example, Iran, uh, if you have somebody coming from Russia, right? You have some, some people coming from China, depending where they come from, from the continent. Um, there's a number of countries that because they have been either in civil wars or they have attacked Americans or they have taken hostages, American hostages abroad, these countries are always identify individuals that are moved to be vetted completely and compare what, not their names, not their names, because can't I can- not really go by that because sometimes the last name, especially for Middle Eastern people, it's the location where they live. It's the location where they live, that's correct. Or their family lineage. So many times you can hear, and you said it's a Mohammed, mm -hmm. Mohammed al something. Well, it doesn't mean anything until you can run some biometrics. Eye scan, fingerprints, or DNA. Okay. And for many years, as we were involved in the last 20 years in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, a lot of individuals that were identified as members of Al-Qaeda, ISIS, individuals that were encountered in Syria, and individuals that in Guantanamo, that are being detained in Guantanamo, these individuals are identified by biometrics. And based on briefings and other information that you get from their uh, electronic equipment, you have been able to create this database of individuals that are supporters or allied to groups that look to do harm to the U.S. Those are the individuals that are in put on those lists. It's not because your name is Mohammed. It's because you have an affiliation to a group that have been proven to be looking for either jihad, which is holy war, or some kind of act of terrorism against the U.S. Could it also be that your family member may be a member of Hezbollah? It could be. Um, all you have to do is look, for example, Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden, a Saudi Arabian uh, national uh, from a very wealthy family. Um, he was radicalized, and he was the mastermind of the attacks of 9-11, but the rest of his family lived normal lives in Saudi Arabia. So you cannot just throw a line or broad brush everyone just because the location they come from or their last name. However, when you do have individuals from these countries, you always want to double check exactly because of that, because you don't know. Um, that's the close relationship that you're going to have, a working relationship with, with the FBI, for example. Um, between the FBI, Holland Security Investigation, and other entities have contacts overseas, and those are the ways that you double check that person's background, uh, that identity. Not by their name, but by biometrics and other uh, selectors, uh, mostly from the intelligence community. So this happened in Del Rio and Eagle Pass, Texas. The minute it happened, 
what what were the next steps? When was Homeland Security investigations so brought in? Immediately. So you have an encounter by either U.S. Customs and Border Protection, either by customs officers or Border Patrol officers, uh, Homeland Security investigations, uh, special agents uh, get involved. Same with uh, Federal Bureau investigation special agents, because we had joint terrorism task force in all the areas in Texas, and that's a combined multi. Uh, jurisdictional and multi-discipline uh, uh, groups that are able to look on the different databases, interviews, and try to puzzle, put together the puzzle of how you got here. Mm -hmm. Because the message is always, I'm trying to get into the U.S. because I am running away from persecution. For example, some years back, we have some individuals that uh, were detained not in Mexico but down in Panama. These individuals were from the Middle East. Their story was we're coming from the Middle East through the jungle to make it into the U.S. However, when they're first detained in Panama by Panamanian authority, authorities, they, do the due, they conduct due diligence, they find video where these individuals did not come through the jungle. They flew in into Panama commercially. Right there, you have a mismatch of the story. You're not, I'm not telling you that they have something to hide or they're gonna do something illegal, but the fact that you started your, your story with a, a with a lie, now, as a law enforcement officer, now you have to start questioning your end game. What is your real uh, interest in coming to the country? That's, this is the reason why these four individuals in the last three weeks caused so, so much attention. But Yami, you and I know that these are not the first one. Yeah. These are not the first one, they're not gonna be the last ones. And for the last 10 years, I can tell you, uh, that we have found special interest aliens for many Middle East countries. So our field producer down in Matamoros has been working on this, it's gonna be a story coming up and she found several Venezuelans who had video of themselves on the lanchas, the boats, going from Necoclí, Colombia, over into Panama, and there were several of them that were Iranian on those boats. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The question then I would ask you is, they're going to make it all the way through if they're not on that list or if they go under the radar in Panama. So what happens when people get to Mexico? Is there, what is Mexico doing? Are they also checking? And how easy is it for them to get in through Mexico and make it to the U.S. border? There is, let's clarify that. There's no betting done in Mexico, period. There's none. At all? At all. Unless those individuals are involved in some kind of criminal activity in Mexico, where they get detained for that criminal activity or that violation of law in Mexico. If they're just passerbys, people coming from the border, 
uh, from the southern border of Mexico to make it to the U.S. or coming into flights from Cuba, from Venezuela, from South America, from Colombia. Um, no, there's no checking. And again, when, when I was still working, uh, you remember when we were talking about the, um, when the Cuban nationals have the benefit of the dry feet, right? Yes. You touch land, you're okay. You're okay. Yeah. I, can, I will tell you that a, great, a, a large majority of people coming in that were uh, Spanish speakers that were trying to tell you they were Cubans <laughs> because they wanted that, to be afforded that opportunity to stay. Um, same thing with a voluntary return into Mexico. If you're a Mexican national, you are allowed to voluntarily go back into Mexico and you don't face any criminal charges. Well, you'd be surprised how many of the individuals that we stop claim to be Mexican nationals because they will get pushed back in the afternoon and then in the next couple of days they're going to try to cross back through, through the river. Uh, and that's what we're going to see. Our freelance producer in Mexico actually has some interviews with people in the encampment in Matamoros mm -hmm. who have told her that they had Iranians that were there within the last two weeks and they had crossed over the river and had been sent back across. Yes. So several questions. Number one, why were they not questioned before they were sent back to Mexico if they're Iranian? So this is what's happened. Every one of the individuals coming through the border is being coached by coyotes, by the smugglers, and they're, they're, they're told exactly what to say. If you are a young male, they're trying to pair you up with another young female, and if they have a child, they're gonna try to make you a family unit. Why? Because the Biden administration, since 2021, has been affording a special treatment to family units. So even if they're not related, they're gonna claim they are. They're gonna, re they're gonna claim children that are not related to them. That's why we have so many children that have been unaccompanied ch children that have been uh, taken by <laughs> HHS, Health and Human Services, and they have been moved with families into the U.S. and thousands of them they cannot even track because they lost track of them because they're never, they're, they were not a real family relationship. You have the coyotes uh, coaching these individuals from the Middle East because if you look somebody from the Middle East and you look somebody from Central America, unless they open their mouth and have an accent, we all look alike. So they're gonna be talking Spanish, speak the bare minimum, claim that you're Mexican national, you get voluntary return. There's not gonna be any kind of uh, of persecution, and then you come back in a couple of days, crossing you through another place, from Miguel Aleman, or from the RGB, or from uh, Eagle Pass. That's, that's the nature of the business. It has happened throughout the years, over and over. Now, everybody get excited because we have a few Iranians, or a few Lebanese coming in, uh, in the last couple of weeks. That doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. That doesn't bother me at all. What it bothers me is the hundreds of Lebanese and uh, uh, Iranians and a lot of... Uh, uh, I mean, Af even Afghanis. Af Afghanis, uh, 
African nations that we know that they have been uh, very radical, they have been coming in in hundreds in the last three years. Those are the ones that worry me because once you make it into the U.S. and you disappear into the air, those are the potentials of maybe they are the ones that are going to radicalize either themselves or somebody else. Those are the so-called sleeping cells. And don't take my word for it. Two days ago, the director of the FBI just acknowledged exactly this, saying, be aware that there might be people inciting for violence in between the protests that we see because of the Iranian, uh, excuse me, Israeli-Hamas uh, uh, war. And they're here, but we're talking about four, when in reality, I mean... Hundreds. We're talking about hundreds. And this is information that is open to the public. When you go into the U.S. Uh, Customs and Border Protection, you look for the statistics, arrest statistics, and you look at they will give you statistics on age, which you have heard people talking about military age male, 18 to 36, alone, no family. They give you nationality. And you can, you can drill down. It will tell you how many people from each country. And that information is open to the public. Mm. That's number one. Number two, now you have also the situation where um, some politicians are talking about opening a mass migration from Gaza into the U.S. I heard one of the candidates running for president talking about a million people. And we've heard from Border Patrol sources telling us that they're preparing to start seeing Palestinians yes. coming in from Gaza. Yes. Now. We remember what happened in uh, August a couple of years ago when uh, we had the butch withdraw from Afghanistan. How many Afghanis still have not been vetted? And that was only 100,000. Imagine a million. The federal government and the Biden administration has abdicated the responsibility for immigration control and border security. We don't have to create new laws. We don't have to get creative with new ways of doing business. The laws are there. The laws are in the books. All we have to do is enforce the laws correctly. Because every time that you have a person claiming asylum that doesn't deserve the asylum, but you take them in, you're taking away the opportunity from somebody that really deserves and needs asylum because they're being prosecuted politically, religious. But right now, that's out the window. That's all we have to do is enforce the laws that we have in the books right now. And yet when we're talking about this at the same time, in the back of my head, as a responsible journalist, I also have to remember not to create xenophobia we look at the six-year-old child that was killed in Chicago recently who was Palestinian. Yes. So where do we balance this out between reporting what there is and creating xenophobia? But th and that's the problem that we have. And, and I'm talking to you. You're an investigative reporter. Unfortunately, not everybody does what you do. Not everybody follows the, the, the leads and the story to the sources.
we have a lot of the national media, for example, that they just repeat what they're told. We know rhyme and reason without stopping for a second saying, this doesn't make sense. Why, why are you saying that? And again, there is a path for asylum in the United States. We're not using it. It's our fault. We have a path to get people with biometrics and follow through and put them in the immigration process proceedings. We're not following it. And what that's creating is situations like in Texas where you have a lot of people coming in, then now you have buses going New York, Chicago, and everybody that was talking about we're a sanctuary city, we, we got time, and we have time, we have money, we have resources for everyone, let them in. Now we realize that's not happening. There's no such a thing as a, there's no such a thing as a all resources. We have people in those cities now feeling that they've been backstabbed by their politicians. And the politicians are the one creating the xenophobia. The politicians are the one creating the situations where they now, oh, we cannot support you. And then they start trying to backtrack what they said before. And now they're faced with reality. I believe that when I hear people saying, we have enough resources for everyone. Like what they were talking about, we can bring a one million Palestinians from Hamas into the U.S. We have the resources. When I see that the federal government is taking care of the veterans, I believe you. When I see that the federal government is taking care of the homeless in the United States, I may believe you. When I see the federal government putting those resources to stop children hunger, then I might believe you. But right now, the problem we have is politicians are putting us against each other because they don't care about us, they care about their positions. So they're been flipping and talking both sides of their mouth. How concerned are you sitting here right now that there will be another 9-11? I have to be honest with you, um, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope that we never, neither us or any country ever faces what we face in 9-11, what Israel faced uh, in the Sabbath a week ago, two weeks ago, what Paris faced in 2015 with multiple attacks, terrorist attacks. However, I feel very certain that something bad's gonna happen where, when, I don't know. But the problem is we have a lot of protests, division in our community. We've been polarized because as we are polarized, it's because of the people that are making our laws and our decisions. They want it that way. And the tensions are high. And this is a perfect opportunity for any entity to create we have enough distraction that they can hit and hit us hard. And it's gonna hit us where it hurts us the most, either with children or in a hospital, but it's gonna hurt us a lot, or the elderly. So we hope it doesn't happen, um, but to everybody that's listening, I would say just be prepared. You don't have to be paranoid, 
You don't have to live in fear. I don't believe in telling people believe in fear. You hold, all you have to do is live prepared. Just be aware of your surroundings and avoid those, e either position, either stream, avoid those public demonstrations. There's nothing to win there. The politicians are not gonna listen to you. You have the power of your vote. But right now, forget about going to the streets and do demonstrations. All you're doing is more fuel to the fire. Right. Thank you so much, Adi Jimenez, retired Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent in Charge. And we appreciate you doing this podcast again. I'm Jamie Virgen in San Antonio, Texas, for another edition of Immigration Crisis, The Fight for the Southern Border.